0: All right, here we go. Another episode of the C Squared Podcast. We are uh, back. It's been a while, actually. I believe uh, two to three weeks, but um, for very good reasons. And we will discuss those in just a second. So many things are happening, my guy, Fabi. Uh, first of all, let's start with this one. It's your birthday, my man. Happy birthday. Thanks. It's, uh, yeah, 31. Oh, my goodness. That's not a good thing,
1: right? At some point, you you it, it stops being
0: a good thing. It's at some point you you stop caring. I think that's that's yeah. I no longer
1: care though. I I I don't want to celebrate it. Um, It used to like when you when you're a kid, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, It seems to mean a lot, and now it's like I I I remember my last one. It feels like it was just like you
0: know a week ago, pretty much. But your last one is your thirtieth, yeah. So that's a big one.
1: No, I mean it. It wasn't like it was. It wasn't a very pleasant one. Also, the last one. It was during the tournament. Not a very good tournament for me. I, I wasn't particularly happy. Uh, this one is better. Like I didn't do anything, but I'm not unhappy. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's we should good. celebrate the the small victories of avoiding misery.
0: That's good enough. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I totally agree with you. At some point, you just stop caring. I I think after thirty. I think thirty is the big one. And then you kind of realize that things are go- <laughs> things are going downhill uh, after thirty, and then you kind of relax about it. You start accepting it, and then you uh, kind of recalibrate and start focusing on, on on the good good stuff, on the right I, things. The thing is, I don't think that things are going downhill. It's just that um, everybody like tells I, you that things are going downhill, though.
1: Yeah, maybe, but I don't. I don't feel that that way. Me neither.
0: Uh, I'm actually feeling but, good
1: definitely like your your perception of time is is speeding up that's that's what i heard before and now i like i feel it yeah um that yeah time time does seem to move pretty quickly also maybe because when you stay busy uh that makes time move feel like it's moving very very quickly and uh and recently i'm sure it's been the same for you but uh for me it's it's been it's been a pretty busy period and uh, well like I haven't had a single day that I haven't been doing something yep even okay. like a single hour sometimes that's why that's why we delayed this so long also because I um like I was in Barcelona I was literally literally working there like 10 12 hours a day uh, and then usually going out with like the team yep yeah for,
0: speaking like, of that let's let's uh let's discuss that that was immediately after the Gct in Zagreb you left we I left back after a and a half month stint in Europe. I uh, went back to the US, definitely had to solve a couple of uh, things there and try not to get divorced before I get married. Um, So that was what I did. Then I went to uh, do commentary for another 10 days. So we were both kind of wrapped up in different projects in different corners of the world. And you were in Barcelona, you mentioned you were doing a chessboard course.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I can I can speak a little bit about it. I'm sure that some things they probably don't want me to speak about. Some things I'm sure they don't mind at all. Uh, so I, I went to... Well, after Zagreb, I immediately caught a flight at 6 in the morning to get back to Spain in time to play the Champions Chess Tour, which was the same day that I was traveling. So the day after the last day of Zagreb. Uh, so I, I had to make sure that I would get in time to for a 5 o'clock match against Eduardo Iturizaga and and that meant that basically since it's two flights to get from Zagreb to, to where I was going uh, I would need to uh, take an early flight so I got there around like one o'clock you know I had a few hours just to rest just to like take a little nap played Iturizaga um, I won that match much easier than I expected it to be thanks mostly to some good fortune. I just caught him in prep in one game. And then after that, it was smooth sailing. Um, and then the rest of the the tournament didn't go very well for me, but I, I felt very burned out. Like I played Magnus and it almost felt like I wasn't there. Like, um, yeah, the match was two and a half, one and a half for him. And I just, at no point in the match did I feel like some urgency (laughs) to win. I kind of knew I need to win to get back. Uh, and then it was just like, draw, draw, draw. Um, and I never felt the urgency and then also against Wesley it felt a bit like I was detached from it so like you were just going through uh, the motions yeah kind of I mean I wasn't like against Magnus I didn't play badly but I didn't really like amp up the pressure that in the way that you need to get to come back against Magnus in the second game I kind of almost did like I was almost proud of that game but I never had serious chances to win a game objectively um he was on the back foot for the second game and the third game slightly. And then fourth game, he drew from like a huge position of strength.
0: So... Why do you think that is? Was it just like too many things happening in a row? Like too many tournaments, too, many, too much competition happening one after the other? Yeah, I think
1: playing a lot, running from one event to the next. I mean, for Magnus, he, he also ran from one event to the next, but he handled it better. I just didn't. And uh, like playing... So I grab traveling and playing the very next day, the day that I'm traveling, I, I feel like, okay, there was, it was unavoidable for me and for anyone playing that tournament, but um, I, I definitely didn't have like huge expectations that I would be able to perform really well under those conditions. I, I tr- I'm not trying to make excuses because Magnus had exact same conditions, right?
0: Right, right. Uh, and, I, I, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Obviously, this is a good thing for chess professionals in general. We have more things to do. There's more tournaments. At some point, though, if these questions are going to definitely have to be answered, like whether you want to skip certain tournaments for various reasons, one of them being, you know, uh, getting burned out, because it's very easy to get yeah. burned
1: out. So. Yeah, the things I played, I played right before Zagreb another tournament in Dortmund. So it was really like back to back to back, and and maybe I didn't uh, think it through so well. But I I'm not complaining because yeah, it's still I'm um, uh, playing events is better than like having
0: events is better than not having events. Yeah. So no, it, it it's a good thing for chess professionals. The fact that the calendar is just getting busier and busier, and actually next year is just going to be absolute madness. Candidates, Olympiad. World Championship match Mm -hmm. on top of everything else. And maybe GCT is adding, or at least they were saying that they're adding another tournament. So um, (laughs) I don't know how we're going to uh, go through all of those, but it's going to happen. Um, Good, good, good. I I know
1: my schedule and for this year, pretty much, if nothing gets added, it's it's completely packed till the end of the year with like maybe a break in November Um, because it's like World Cup. Obviously, I don't know how long World Cup will last for me, because it's a knockout, so um, could could last a month, could last a few days, in, in the worst case. But um, but World Cup, I have like this rapid team World Championship. Immediately okay. after Dusseldorf, yeah? Yeah. Like, literally, if I get to the final match of the World Cup, and play the final match, I will have to travel straight to Dusseldorf and play the very next day. Um then there's the Chess Nine LX in St. Louis, which is across the world, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which starts like September. I don't know, seventh.
0: When's the last time you were in the U.S.? Uh, it's been a long time. Before right? the world
1: Championship. it was during the world championship match. It was halfway through when I went to do commentary in Madrid.
0: Hmm. So, so I guess it was more or less at the same time when I left. I left April 24th, and I came back June, whatever, or July. I think
1: it may have been. Like mid-April, yeah, something like, yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's there's been like, for example, the Champion Chess Tour ends. It culminates in Toronto in a live event, and I think I'm not pretty much 100, percent regardless of how I do in the remaining events to to qualify. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe 99.9, but actually, I think it's 100 from
0: from points point of view, right?
1: Yeah, I think I don't think I have to play anymore, but. Uh, just the the points that I have like
0: I'm second yeah I think you made uh, it to the division one at least like three times
1: well I qualified for the next one too
0: so that's the fourth one right out of five four out of five or something like that
1: if, if I can physically make that event which is <laughs> a bit of a question because I'll have to, to fly from Europe to the US and start playing the next day but if I can physically make that event then uh it'll give me another guaranteed certain points. And, um, so, yeah, it's like Wesley is also, I think, a shoe in even yeah. if he doesn't win an event, because it's two spots by points. So I'll I'll get one, and probably Wesley will get another. So he's looking good I for think. you and Wesley in that one. No, that's an important one for sure. Um, definitely close to guaranteed. To I mean, one. not 100%, but close to guaranteed. The other people, it's, it's very interesting to see who will be the other people. I think like Fero Save might have a good shot if he does well in the next one. But besides that, uh, like at the moment, I think pretty much guaranteed Magnus, Hikaru, Noderbeck obviously guaranteed. Uh, me, Wesley most likely. And then two more spots. Sorry, three more spots. Which it will be an interesting question. Fero save, um, Levon, Jordan could like a few people could make it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, definitely a good one. Good to qualify for that one. It's going to be fun. Uh, speaking of chessball, how would you like that experience? Um, you mentioned that you had a course, I believe, uh, last few years, uh, maybe like three years, three four years ago, and you weren't very happy with that experience. But oh, but not a chessable course. This wasn't chessboard. This was like chess. Yeah, just just
1: to be upfront, I I did a chess-based course in 2019. Yeah, and although I'm not sure exactly how the reception was, I didn't think that the final product was really work that I could be proud of. Right. So this will be very different. Um, I think it'll be really well received, but I can't say for certain. Um, Only time will tell. It will probably be released. Maybe by September, October. That would be my hope. And you recorded um, a lot
0: in Barcelona. We are I, I can say really how
1: long it will be. Like It's going to be a 40-hour... 40 40-hour 40 course. 40-hour course. Maybe a bit more. Split in two? Two parts? No. Or just one part? It's going to be one. It's going to be one. There's no logical way to split it in two. Um, otherwise, maybe it would be. But there, the course... Covers an opening which really cannot be split because it's a very specialized opening. So it's like it's not it's not like let's say a repertoire against e4. It's more specialized than that. It's more uh, it goes a few moves deep. It's like a repertoire against a certain opening.
0: Yeah. Who would you say and it is aimed for? Um, what is the customer that's going to be able to use that the next day after they buy the course?
1: I definitely think that like. Files-wise, it could be used by a player my level, so it's basically stuff I would use myself. I'm not I'm not, not just saying that you're not holding back anything. No, no, I don't hold back anything. It's stuff that, like, I analyzed independently for this for this opening for the course, and um, I would probably wouldn't have done the analysis if not for the course. And I'm just giving it because I I don't really care, like people people who turn on an engine can also find these moves it's not like super top secret stuff uh but the difficulty in, in it in the analysis is curating lines which are um digestible to to like a, a wide group of players so not just strong players but also players who don't want to you know regurgitate yeah 40 moves sometimes you have to do that right there are lines which are like 40 moves of uh, pretty much incomprehensible stuff you just have to memorize there that's unavoidable uh, if you're if you're being honest with someone like if, if you honestly say this is the opening and sometimes why plays a critical line and sometimes you have to remember uh, a certain amount of moves yeah. which are very difficult for that line right
0: it also varies based on the level of competition right i mean you're not going to have yeah. to memorize 40 moves of theory at 2200 2300 2400 level player uh, once you get yeah, the it, gm sure maybe uh, you know, there's those odd guys that will memorize 40 moves of theory and place mm-hmm. yeah. them out.
1: Even 2400, uh, I'm sure.
0: Even I've, seen, even a few. Yeah. <laughs> I've but, seen a few. Yeah. I've seen a few twenty four hundred. But the
1: interesting thing is, I looked at courses that are obviously high quality and generally very well received. Uh, but sometimes there is the criticism that because the player presenting is very strong, let's say 2700, 2650 level player. Uh, they tend to focus a bit more on lines that are critical to them. So if I'm, let's say I'm presenting the night orf, I might uh, go very much into the detail of the English attack or bishop g5. But um, just as likely if you're playing at a, at let's say a level that varies between 1200 to 1800, so a wide variety of players, those players could see... A Majority of Grand Prix attack, close Sicilian, um, even um, whatever d4 and c3 is called. What's that gambit called? The
0: d4 and c3? Ponzi. No, that's not Ponziani. Uh, <laughs> you played the Pons- <laughs> Uh We were discussing about that. Okay, what is d4 uh, c3? Evans?
1: No, not the Evans. Evans is b4 and the e4 e5. Right. I I can't like and I know what it is I, can't. I mean, he car played against me in one of the Champions Chess events a bunch of times. But <laughs> anyway, I mean, the, our viewers will probably hate us for not knowing
0: what the line is called. But us buy like, don't are not that good with, with opening names.
1: No, but the, the thing is, I do know this one. I'm just blanking. But uh, so the point is just that if you're a player who's twelve hundred or if you're a player who's eighteen hundred, you will see a different lines than a player who's 2,400, 2,600, and so on, um, which means that the importance in covering lines is not just to go into uh, a million moves of poison pawn theory, but also to cover, let's say, the grand pre-attack in detail that you, you your your viewer actually understands what they're doing.
0: And I would say that's probably the, the most difficult thing to do uh, as a player of your caliber, right? Because you look at the position and then you're like, okay, this moves doesn't make that much sense at my level, but this course is also aimed at lower level. So how do I implement that into the course? Uh, did you have well, any I- problems with that? Did you get directives? Like, what's the system looking like?
1: No, no, I, I wasn't given any guidance in terms of, I mean, the, the creative process was entirely Um, I I was given full creative freedom so I could choose any lines I want I could explain it in any way I want which is I think good because uh, well it it gives a bit more let's say variance in terms of the courses so different players will have their own styles different presenters let's say Mm -hmm. so if they're not trying to guide the process you're going to get that that difference in styles which maybe the viewer will like they can watch Gawain if they want They can watch Anish if they want. Like everyone has their own different presenting style and analyzing style. Uh, I found the easiest part was to explain plans in systematic lines. When I say systematic, I mean lines where both sides have a clear plan. And to give an example of that, I would say the plan for, in let's say, the classical Spanish lines is white gets the knight from B1 to D2 to F1 to G3, Right. So that's systematic. And black plays rook e8, bishop f8, g6, bishop, you know, th- that's, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The, to explain those plans is pretty simple. And then to curate a repertoire where you have a consistency of ideas, so you, you try to follow the same plans, is easy in the sidelines because the sidelines usually give you a lot of freedom. Uh, so let's say the d3 Spanish, you have a lot of freedom. You can choose to, let's say, recommend that black plays with d6 and g6. And then you're going to always see a lot of the same ideas. Or you recommend that black plays b5, bishop c5, and then you always see similar ideas there. So that part I found very easy and actually quite enjoyable. Um, the difficulty is in the sharp lines. Because although I'm sure w- like, in games of players who are, let's say, 1,300, it probably accounts for like 1% of their games that they're going to see super, super sharp main lines. It doesn't that, actually you know,
0: matter, yes.
1: But you still have to give those lines because okay. because you're also catering to international masters or FIDE masters who will find those interesting. And also because you just have to be honest about what you're showing, right? You can't just say, um, the open Spanish, you know, like let's say in the open Spanish, C3 is like the main move. And then you're like, okay, most people play Queenie 2 or something, so we're not going to look at... Like you can't do that, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and that's where it gets difficult because then... Very often you're, uh, you're operating with only moves in some lines. And then you have to tell, tell your viewer that, yeah, in this position, if you don't make these certain moves, you might just lose the game. Uh, so these moves are really important, and you have to memorize them. That's the difficulty. Um, and then the difficulty was also choosing lines where black sometimes has to make only moves, but which only moves are more difficult. Like, you have sometimes a branch in this branch, you have to make these only moves, and in this, this branch you have to make these only moves. Um, which one, which branch do you recommend? This one? Are these moves more difficult, or this one? Or you know, uh, that that part I found difficult. And the main difficulty I found was that talking for uh, eight hours a day is very unpleasant. Yes, it's not fun. Yes, of course not. And also talking to nobody because there's nobody in the room with me. It's yeah. not a. It's not like something I can say is enjoyable you know did you do Um, multiple takes did you have to do multiple takes oh yeah yeah Uh, yeah for for many reasons to start with because I would sometimes fuck up yeah (laughs) Uh, I would (laughs) (laughs) I would stutter it it would um, in one case I just realized midway that there was a, a flaw in my analysis not not like the line was bad but there was a move order difference and in this move order difference I recommended different lines and then halfway through, I was like, wait, this makes no sense. I had to redo the file on the spot. Yeah. Um, what else was difficult? Uh, yeah, like speaking, you lose your voice at some point. You know, it's, Yes,
0: um, speaking uh, very specific for a prolonged period of time can be quite difficult. Um, I've noticed that when I was occasionally recording like even when i recorded some of your uh games highlights and things of that nature like speaking for 30 minutes by the end of it i already feel like my voice is mm-hmm. you know not there anymore uh for yeah me. mostly because you just have to like keep going keep going so that you don't lose your tempo right and i would assume it's the same thing whenever you're recording um yeah of course yeah you, you want to keep a
1: like consistency but That's not to thing. sound too robotic yeah and another difficulty is that sometimes you just go on autopilot because I'm not like I, I I don't have all these variations perfectly memorized that I can just like you know uh, bang them out without without some sort of guide, right? Yeah so I do have the analysis there to tell me what and I'm thinking about the position, but I can't just like when I'm when I'm trying to remember something over the board, I think, for like a few minutes, right?
0: Yeah.
1: You can't do that. You have to just like boom, 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 just say the moves, right? Exactly. So, uh, and in this type of opening, it's impossible to remember in that level of speed, like to, to accurately always be able to remember exactly which move, which means that I have the analysis in front of me, and I'm still thinking about the position, but there is a tendency to go on autopilot and just to say like, this is the move, this is the explanation, uh, which I don't want to do. I want to be thinking about it. So if there's something in my analysis, which was like this detail wasn't mentioned, then at least in the video I can, I can say, oh, and here if white does this, then uh, that's not good because of, of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, but yeah, overall it's a very challenging process. I mean, I, I can understand um, why people do it. And also I can understand why people aren't attracted to making these very detailed courses. But some people really are are very gifted at it. They they excel. Um, I saw like one chessable course is like an hour. Uh, sorry, 108 hours long, uh, which I, is just unthinkable <laughs> to me. Like to record 108 hours. It's probably like a month worth of recording. No, yeah, you, you won't you won't do it in a month. There's really? no way. More than that. If you're working every day for a month, you will not get 108. I think that if you work. Let's say ten hours a day, you'll get six hours out if you're
0: really wow. Yeah,
1: six quality hours. uh, That's from yeah, yeah. Well, because you're going to do multiple takes, you're going to take breaks, you're going to have to rest a little bit. Uh, So you're going to be at the office. You know, ten hours you you put that's a very good amount. Six hours of recording, if you can get that out in a day. That I didn't manage. I was doing average five hours.
0: So you're not actually done with the course yet? You still have to record a little bit?
1: No, I've done 25 hours of it.
0: That's good. That's a good start. You need maybe 26, maybe 26. A couple more uh, weeks in weeks. Barcelona. When are those well, coming?
1: Four, four more days and, and the estimate will be done. Mm.
0: Do you know when you're going to do that? Do you have a time? No. I don't maybe, know. Huh? <laughs> That's good. All right. Uh, we spoke about the course at length, and I'm sure we're going to retouch on that in, uh, whenever it's uh, close to being ready. So that's good. What did you do after? Ah, yeah, you you went on a camp, right?
1: Yeah, I, I won't speak, speak much about that, but yeah, we went on a
0: camp. World Cup. Um, <clears throat> how uh, how did you like the camp? Where was the camp? You don't have to speak. No, no like, I, many, I won't like to speak much too details. much about it. I mean...
1: It was very standard training, and we'll see how it actually works out in the tournament. I mean, that's time will tell, yeah. as you say.
0: Time will, <laughs> only time will tell. It's only time, it's, will tell. <laughs> it's only time will tell. Yes, very good. All right, good. Now in Baku, you're uh, there with uh, somebody. I don't know if you want to mention with who, but
1: yeah, I can say. I mean, it's like very like, I mean, we go around together. It's it's like, it's, it's, it's been a while, Gregory. Lauren, your, your student. Um, and I, I think that it's pretty much
0: like clear. Like we're, we're not hiding anything. So yeah, <laughs> it, it hasn't been in hiding mode for a while now. Good. How is Baku? Tell us your first uh, impressions. Uh, you're seeded into the second round. So the tournament mm-hmm. already started. I think the first round was today the first game of the first round. Uh, but you're seated in the second round. So you're only starting in a couple of days. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, the first round was played today. Uh, several, uh, well, many of the players. Uh, I can tell you how many are are seated directly into round two. So the highest rated player not seated into round two is Sheparinov. He's rated twenty six fifty one, and he's playing round one. Yes, everyone higher than Sheparinov is seated directly into round two, and likewise with the women's world cup. A certain amount of players are seated directly into round two. I, I'm not sure exactly. Where the cutoff is there, but uh, but it's the same sort of system,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and so I'm playing the winner of the match between Meshed Leshvili from uh, from from Georgia and Larusas from Lithuania, and I think it's a pretty toss, yeah, pretty close match, pretty much a toss up, 25-66, 25-61, They drew the first game. It was very up and down, and both players. Louris was at some point objectively winning and Michelle Lushvili was at some point objectively winning. So pretty close match. And um, obviously after that match, it becomes more and more like if I get past it, then it becomes more and more unpredictable because uh, there's so many possibilities. But the interesting thing about my bracket is that it's all American. All the Americans are in the same bracket.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm trying to find I, I on, play on the bracket
0: right now. All right, I uh-huh. found you. Yes.
1: Like you could see, for example, a wonder is my third round if... I mean, he's one of the possibilities for a third round. Yes. And I think he's 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 likely likely to get to the third round. Um. Yeah, to the third round. And so Ray Robson is in my round. Ray will play the winner of Fear versus Naji. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. Maybe our Hungarian viewers can say it. "Gabor Nagy,"
0: I think. Uh, but yes,
1: I'm not sure that's right either. <laughs> Probably, not. I think it's something Naj.
0: <laughs> Nagy. But I, I'm not okay. I see Duda uh, is also there.
1: Uh, Duda's there. He's the highest after me in that bracket. Yes. Uh, for example, Gareev, who Lenier. like these are all players I could play at some point. Sam.
0: Christopher Yu didn't show up. Yeah, there's something about Christopher Yu. Um, something is definitely happen- happening. Um, I, I don't have any inside information about that, but he missed the juniors as well, um, and that was a big one. That that nowadays the juniors is actually a big one because it gives you one spot to the US champs. And I mean, it's so difficult by rating to qualify for the US champs right now. You need a, yep. close to twenty seven hundred. Yep. So missing that for him. Hmm? He's
1: very good, which means that it's a, good. a lucky break for his opponent in the second round. Automatically seeded was Serana. Mm-hmm. And so since Christopher Yu forfeited to a Chinese player named Huang Shi, mm-hmm. Serana gets a... I, actually, I don't know. Maybe this player is also super strong like Christopher. And maybe it's not a lucky break for Serana, but on paper it's a, it's a it's a better, uh, pairing for Serrano,
0: right? Juan Renji, I've, I've actually seen him, um, in recent Spanish tournaments, he's traveling with the Chinese delegation that was doing like a tour of Spain and playing every <laughs> single tournament there. I think they went to bill as well. He's around 2400, 2420, I think entering those, but I have to say his level is probably GM level. I would say GM level. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. He- I'm sure, that's not surprising. Uh, but yeah, it's, anyway, we'll see what happens. So it's like, yeah, Sam and Lanier are on a direct path. But Sam has to get past Rajaslav Vytašek, which is a toss-up match, in my opinion. It's a very close match. And Lanier has to get past, um... Actually, Lanier might have a pretty easy path to... To, um,
0: so Eric didn't matches. make it either.
1: By yeah, the way. Eric didn't make it, unfortunately. So he's forfeited. He didn't make the, the, the first round.
0: So Wojtaszek is playing this um, the Silva guy. Um, and then Wojtaszek probably is going to go past to, him. Yeah, that's my
1: guess. To play, yeah. The winner of Sam against... Nijak either...
0: Mamedov or Skitchko. Um
1: Yeah, which I don't know who's... Who's better between
0: them? It's probably pretty close. Nijat is the rating favorite. But okay. the thing is, everything can happen. I mean, uh, this elimination format is so unpredictable. Yeah, that's true. You have one bad, but I think, like, one like, bad day. But look the at
1: Lenier's hmm? bracket. It looks like Lenier, I feel like he's a very heavy favorite to play either Voitashik or Sam. Like that, that other side is much more difficult mm. for some reason. I don't know why they have like two twenty seven hundred players who meet very early on in round three um well okay yeah it's it's a bit of a mix right yeah I'm like um, I feel like Wesley's is not super easy Wesley plays perhaps musard perhaps dur Bailey, which is um also not easy yeah there's
0: well first of all he has to pass through Emre Khan most likely though it seems like Luis Ernesto Quesada Perez is also some sort of a GM close to close in ratings and these guys are not pushovers I mean no no they're not but (laughs) Wesley's a heavy favorite just like looking at huge favorite yes I mean
1: like let's say 80 85
0: to 90% favorite. 91.8 according to this there's this bracket that shows the percentages of um of people. Huge favorite. Huge favorite. Yes. And I think you are, let's see, I'm going to put some pressure on you. Um, 92.91 Okay. To pass through the second round, then 77.5 to pass through a the third, then 59, and then 5. But this many, is like
1: cumulative, yeah? So it's I not... I think it's cumulative. Okay. Yes. Yep. I
0: think it's cumulative. Um, not based on who you're going to meet in in, in, in those times. But yeah. You have a 27 towards the end, and uh, to be the winner right now, it seems like you're looking at an 8.68. That's is that good odds? All right, who has the best? I odds? mean, let's see. There's so many players.
1: Right? Like, yeah, I, I mean, obviously Magnus has the best odds. What
0: <laughs> they're giving <laughs> Magnus at 26.99. Okay, I think that's too high. I think they
1: overestimated a bit. I mean, look, I'm not. He's never won. Like
0: people are, if
1: Magnus wins, people are going to come back and see like, how could you say that? But okay, we're not talking about after the fact. There's a lot of players, and obviously, the equity is diluted massively. And yeah, Magnus is a favorite in all of his matches, but uh, does he really have a quarter? Um, Does he like really take a quarter through the field?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. All right, let's see what Hikaru has. They're putting Hikaru at a 10.15%. So I guess everything is based on some sort of a rating formula. Mike um, is
1: taking this, rapid this and also. Like, like Hikaru is also being slightly overvalued at the moment. Maybe because he's he's been on a pretty good hot streak.
0: Yeah, I mean, but... he's number two in the world right now. So I would assume that's why yeah. I'm saying he's probably based well, on okay.
1: I just want to say like this whole number two in the world thing. <laughs> it's like a little bit, okay, it starts to get a little bit silly. Yes. I mean, yes. it's like three months ago, there was this discussion, is Nepo or is Ding the clear undisputed number two in the world? And then and then they both scored a minus in one tournament, and then the question disappeared because neither of them was number two in the world. And then the question was, is Ali Reza Faruja the clear undisputed number two in the world? Until he went to number six. And then the question was am I until I lost to Hikaru in the last game? That's right. Uh, look, I'm I obviously I'm disputed, baby. <laughs> I mean, Hikaru, look, I I don't want to um I mean, Hikaru has had the best in in terms of all players in the world, Hikaru has been the best in the last year. Yes. Better than Magnus. Uh he he won um
0: really? he won the America put oh, him higher than Magnus. In terms of, like, I value very much. Rapid Blitz, everything.
1: Yeah, American Cup is a big one to win, in my opinion. It's very tough. And then Norway Chess, Uh, he won. And the online events, like, okay, the Bull Championship, I don't rate at all. Okay, I mean, Bullet is is a different story. It's not really chess. Uh, It's kind of chess, but it's also, like, a video game. It is. Hardly. (laughs) Hardly. Uh, And... So, okay, but but the Speed Chess Championship is chess, and he did win that against Magnus. He won one of the Rapid um, Champion chess events. He got to the final of another. So in terms of there, him and Magnus have been have had pretty much equivalent results. Uh, although Magnus won two, so, okay, Magnus edges him a bit there. But having the best classical performance, yeah, it's kind of hard to say because Magnus did win the Rapid and Blitz World Championship. That's, that's a big one. Um, but Hikaru definitely has a claim to say. In the last year, he's been the, um, if not the best, then like equal best or something. He does. He does. He does. Yeah, he, he has a claim. It's, it's it's a disputable claim, but it's, it's still, disputable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Hikaru, he got married. Um, uh, congratulations, Hikaru. Uh, well yep. done putting a putting a ring on it. Um, congratulations <laughs> to him and Atusa. We've uh, been seeing them. Traveled together at tournaments for quite a while. Um, it was interesting that they chose this exact time, just before the World Cup started. Um, and then they went on some sort of a honeymoon. And then, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Chris John was, was there as well. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the, but that's, that's not honey- huh? a honeymoon. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> okay,
1: I mean... They were, It was some sort of training slash vacation. But I, I don't think that you take your your second to a honeymoon.
0: Yeah,
1: that doesn't that doesn't count as a honeymoon anymore. Get,
0: get married, go on a honeymoon, get the second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. And now, uh... yeah, that's that's good. I mean, um, they've been together for a few years.
0: Yeah,
1: but it, yeah, it's uh, it's a really good
0: step in his life and their life, you know, for both of them. Yeah, no. And they seem very happy together. So congratulations. Uh, how do you say? In Romania, we have the saying uh, Casa de Piatra, which means uh, house of stone, meaning that, you know, you're going to have a solid house, household. Very have... <laughs> <laughs> <are you> lovely. <laughs> house, house of stone? Yes. You're going to have a solid house? Casa de Piatra, uh, meaning... We wish you house of stone, meaning it's going to be a very solid foundation that you're going yeah, to build with your family.
1: Fortunately, in the US, all our houses are made of wood. I mean, not all of them, but like there's this the majority uh, of it. Yeah, I don't know why, but uh, American architecture they like to use their wood. It's
0: not as good as um, as brick, but we can go into American architecture. But do you have a saying similar to that that wishes uh, I- them?
1: No, but I think stuff. that we should adopt yours. You know, we, house of Stone. It would sound so weird if, like, let's say at an American wedding, you wish the um, the couple getting married to, like, enjoy your new life and we hope you have a house of stone. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like an insult almost. If,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you put it that way, yes. But... Uh... It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Anyway, only good stuff to Hikaru. Uh, by the way, I think we had a couple of high profile uh, marriages. Um, what's his name? Parham, Parham? got Parham, married yeah. as well. Yeah. Just before he went the World Cup. So it seems like end of July, August is a, is a big month. A lot of intriguing chess players are getting married. That's good. All right. Hans won a tournament. He was really speed running out of uh, top 100, but he managed to pull the brakes and he won a big tournament. So congrats to Hans as well. Still playing absolutely nonstop, which I don't condone, but he seems to be happy with it. Tournament in yep, Kazakhstan. He, he won some rating points as well.
1: So he I won the last five games. He won four and four rating points.
0: Yes. He okay, destroyed
1: actually kind of sad Satoruman, no, wait, was it Satoruman? I think it was in the last round uh and he he recovered from an early loss, so uh it's yeah it it's a good i mean it's important when you're like in free fall, which he was to at some point stop the damage stop the tilt he's still down
0: plenty of rating recently but but That's he the did thing win about stuff. open tournaments right uh they're so easy to lose rating points in every single open tournaments you're going to find some underrated players uh, coming from, you know, India and China have this ridiculously strong 2000s to 2400 players that could easily be GM level. Um, So you lose against one of those guys, you drop like close 10 rating points instantly. Yeah, it's such a gamble.
1: That's sort of what happened um, to to Hans, right? He, He lost some pretty costly games rating wise. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I I still want him to do well. I'm actually happy when he's doing well. Absolutely, we need Hans. We need Hans. Really in it, but uh, we want his, Hans in he, the elite. He also has like one blitz game.
0: Wait, what?
1: I don't know why. Like, I'm I'm looking in twenty-seven hundred chess. Uh huh. So, twenty-eight games in the last month, twenty-eight classical games, and one solitary blitz game. I don't see it but it's I mean like just go to his name and click on the like little uh, little little magnifying glass next to Blitz ah there's a Blitz one as well (laughs) so only one Blitz game was rated out of all because it's round nine it shows it's round nine yes
0: And Shimonov. Astana Zul Dizdari Blitz tournament Um, last couple of rating points there but okay I mean blitz is not that relevant okay good excellent congratulations hans you did uh, well looking forward to seeing you
1: by the way in the um in the still the topic of young talented chess players sure i'm keeping up to date with our uh indian prodigy uh race i mean the the in our first episode we discussed which one will we predict- succeed. Yes. And obviously, like Gukesh is in the clear lead, by far, since he's number eleven in the world, and he's already established himself as like a genuine top player, mm-hmm. not just a promising player, but a top player. Mm-hmm. And Prague is starting to catch up. Prague Nanta. He is. And my pick is is uh is not making as much progress. I mean, he's still like twenty seven hundred plus. He's he's uh keeping his Arigaisi. Arjun Arigaisi. He's keeping his rating, but he is uh losing some ground to Pragnananta, who is now a bit higher rated, and some ground a lot of ground to Gukesh who is much higher rated.
0: And Pragnananta is so, also um I believe much younger than Arigaisi. Pragnanda is basically the same 17. age as Gukesh seventeen, 17 both Gukesh and Pragnanda. Gukesh said something Um, Interesting recently, I think after his most recent successes, he was giving an interview and he said that basically at this point he sort of established himself as a colleague of uh, the elite players rather than just a hope. Um, Do you see him already as a colleague?
1: Well, okay, so uh, I play him pretty often these days in tournaments and he does Perform pretty reasonably well usually between middle and upper middle of the pack in genuine top like norway chess he was i guess a little bit above middle of the pack in the last tournament in zagreb he was i think a little bit like same as norway chess a little bit above middle of the pack uh, so based on the last two recent events also turkish league which i didn't play in but uh but he did go plus five and gained a tiny bit of rating there yep he his results are indistinguishable from a uh, top player at you know, let's say Richard Rapport. yes, or you know you can pick whoever you want, maybe not whoever you want, but uh, you can pick a few of them and and you would say that he's playing at the same level, uh, results wise, mm-hmm. still with limited data, and still, when I play him, I'm going to be for the moment a little bit less afraid than if I'm playing some of the, let's say, top top guys uh, So you still I, okay, think, feel like there's some, some
0: patches for him to cover compared to the top top guys
1: I think he's super strong, but I still wouldn't say okay, is, is Gukesh as strong as Anish, uh, is he as strong as Jan uh, okay, I would not say that, I mean that's, I think that would be silly to say
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but you know, he has momentum and and he's playing well in every event he plays in, Yeah. pretty yeah. much without fail
0: on if that any keeps single up. day he can play at that
1: level for sure. I don't think it matters much for him because he's obviously going to be a top player for a long long time uh, if he has a bad event this year or a few bad events this year I don't think it's going to change a whole lot in his career. I, I just like I look at it from the perspective of someone who's who's played as a 17 year old and also has, uh, who, who's also been established for, for uh, quite a long time I know that, like one event doesn't make or break your career unless it's, you know, uh, one of those, you know, opportunities that you get maybe only a few times, right? Yeah, which would be either candidates or world championship. It's only those those few events.
0: No, based on um, the formula that we were discussing of being a certain rating up to a certain age, he's doing quite well twenty seven fifty at seventeen, definitely impressive. Uh, he's been tested. I mean, I remember at Tata Steel he started off. Horrendously, I think he was minus four. Came yeah. back with uh, some crucial victories. So he's been tested uh, quite a well, lot. I can tell you the I difference think. there.
1: Yeah. Is, uh, his openings got good.
0: Much better since January. His openings
1: yes. were shit. And not I don't see that as an insult, but they were just shit at the start of the year. And in the last half a year, seven months, he's gotten good openings. Like he has a legit repertoire that. It's, um, I mean, it's easy these days to build a repertoire based on the Berlin, like, you know, you put the you put a few weeks in and and you've got it. Uh, But, but he did that work. And he got a repertoire, which is really annoying (laughs) to break down, you know, Uh, like, uh, I've, I've been through this for the last, um, let's say 14 years, trying to trying to find advantage in the Berlin. Um, Hasn't really happened, although I have tried my best. And sometimes I've gotten an advantage. Sometimes I haven't. I probably played. Um, well, the thing is, that, like, sometimes I look at games. In uh, let's say I'm interested in a line, and I look at some anti-Berlin or some Berlin, and I see that I played this game, and I forgot about it. I played this line, and I forgot about it, like eleven years ago. And uh, and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I did. I did analyze this a decade ago, and. It didn't really work then, and it's pretty much the same now. The theory somehow hasn't moved too much, which is a little bit demoralizing when you're trying to to break down an opening. Um, and I'm not giving too much away by saying that the Berlin
0: I, still I, is. I don't far- think so. <laughs> I, would, I would assume that's kind of the general consensus uh, about the state of chess nowadays. Break the Berlin, good luck. Um, all right, Fabi, well, I mean, I think we caught up on a lot of subjects. We discussed a lot of subjects, and I don't want to hold you for too long because this is already pretty late for you in Baku. Uh,
1: okay, I just have one last thing. Yes. So I went to the gym today. In Baku. Yeah, the very nice hotel, nice gym, um, nice sauna. I went to the sauna and everything. And so my workout was like 10 minutes of a pretty brisk jog on the treadmill, and then, and then some weights for like half an hour and noterbeck comes in the gym and and he goes pretty consistently on the treadmill 14 kilometers an hour for mm, that's four, four, for four kilometers that's really a lot that's like 20 fast. minutes yeah yeah it's pretty it's a pretty solid pace i mean that's a good pace uh, i mean i i don't go more than nine <laughs> nine kilometers is is uh i mean it's like a chill standard job right yeah yeah jog, jog. yeah no, if I go 11
0: already 5 minutes 5 10 minutes max on 11. He does more than that on 14.
1: Well, he's he's obviously a bit skinnier so it's going to be easier to to carry the weight. Um I'm not I'm not that's not an insult.
0: No, that's a good I'm not thing. calling I'm you
1: fat. I'm not calling you fat.
0: No, thank you. I, I <laughs> Yeah, we're not gonna get into it. <laughs> but no, I I don't have any problems. No, I'm, I'm kidding with you
1: It's but it's it's a good pace. I mean they're both like fourteen I think if you want cardio you don't need to go that fast, right? If you jog for twenty minutes, thirty minutes at you know, a little bit slower pace, then also works perfectly fine, but
0: but anyway, just a little story about the, the gym here. So what was the was what 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 was the how do you call it <clears throat> the, the the climax of the story?
1: No, that's that's it. I, I left the gym. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't so I haven't done weights in a while, and I wanted to do some squatting. And they do actually have a squat rack, and they have various assorted plates. Like the plates are kind of strewn out all over the gym, so you have to go searching for plates.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um But since it's been a while since I've been back, I I did a light, pretty light session, as you and, should, and then I
0: went to the sauna. I mean, this is a big tournament. This is a long tournament. This is a tournament in which you need some serious um, <clears throat> physical resilience. I mean, once you get into those later rounds, uh, things get pretty gnarly. Um, uh, the World
1: Cup is that? sort of like, um, like, it's, sort of North, like yeah? it's sort of like it's sort of like South Park it's bigger, it's longer, and it's uncut.
0: And with that, I think it's a good time to to finish the podcast. Um, I'll keep an eye on your results. Maybe we'll catch up after some of your rounds. Um, we'll keep in touch. Good luck, Bobby. And thank you. Uh, yeah. Guys, don't forget. Share your comments. Send some good vibes. Fabi's way. Big competition long competition, and um, we'll keep an eye on it, we'll keep some updates, and um, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next weeks, maybe next couple of weeks, but see you, cheers.